you pick up your Bible and wonder, is there more here than meets the eye? Is there anything here for me? I mean, it's just words printed on paper, right? Well, it may look like just print on a page, but it's more than ink. Join us for the next half hour as we explore God's Word together, as we learn how to explore it on our own, as we ask God to meet us there in its pages. Welcome to More Than Ink. Hey, a lot of people think that they've been good enough, done enough good stuff to get into heaven. Well, how good is good enough? That's a really good question. And a young man asked Jesus that very question. He asked him that? Does he answer? Jesus gives him a straight answer. Oh, I want to hear that. And we'll do that today. Today on on More More Than Than Ink. Hey, 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 yeah, here we are. I'm Jim. And I'm Dorothy. And uh, you have found More Than Ink, where we uh, we walk through the Gospel of Matthew together. And uh, in the process, we hope that you glean some, some uh, courage as well as techniques for reading the Bible for yourself. That's why we're here. Uh, because you can you can read these passages, especially the Gospels are so good at this, and uh, you can glean some extraordinarily deep stuff, and you don't have to be a college-trained theologian. Well, but you can. It is helpful if you have a conversation with somebody else who is also reading it. So oh, yeah. I am Big deal. always encouraging people, read the Bible with a friend. Right, and discuss right. what you see. Read what you, because two sets of eyes are better than one. That's two right. sets of ears That's are better right. than one. And you all will, you'll zero in on different things in the passage and, and yeah. help each other see new things you know what you know it also helps when you do it with someone else is it allows you to ask questions yeah so you read a passage and and then you look at the other person and say so does this mean that right you know and and you can say well, i don't know let's find out so it's really it's really kind of like a joint exploration kind of thing and so. you know the lord invites us to investigate his yeah. word yeah. so that's something that is is well done in a group or yeah. with a friend so it, if you've been with us up to this point i hope you've been encouraged to do that very thing you can just sit down and read so today we are doing that we're sitting down and reading the last half of chapter 19 of matthew's gospel we've we've we started at chapter one, and here we are at chapter nineteen. <laughs> and uh, and uh, and then again, these are passages that we are both very familiar with. Uh, but new insights come, and new blessings come, and uh, and my feeble brain that has forgotten pieces of well, it. Well, our listeners also are very yeah, familiar yeah. with these, and yet in the reading, the fresh reading, we will gain some fresh insight. Right, right, because we'll ask some questions. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so anyway, we're glad that you're with us. We hope you're you're encouraged to do this uh, alongside of us and offline with us. So today, if you are following with us, uh, we're in chapter 19 of Matthew. We're starting verse 16, and uh, we're, Jesus is going to meet a very unique young man. And, uh, and that's where we start off the morning here, Jack. Chapter 19, verse 16, if okay. you're following. Here we go. And behold, a man came up to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. Okay, let's stop there yeah, for a second. Yeah, let's stop there. Because <laughs> <laughs> isn't that an interesting response? It I mean, is. this guy, and we know he's we know he's a young man. Uh, we find that out in a second. We know that he's also from Luke's gospel. He's a ruler of some sort, and he's and you'll find out in a second he's very rich. So this that's why it's always called the the rich young ruler section. Well, and in the other gospel accounts, he, the addresses the question a little differently. He calls Jesus he good 
teacher. Good teacher. Which is why right. Jesus says, well, right. you know, why do you ask me what's good? Right. There's only one who's good. Yeah, and isn't that an interesting initial response? Mm-hmm. You know, why why do you call me? What what good deed? Why do you call me good? Don't you understand, he says, that there's only one that's good? Which, in a way, if you're thinking on your feet, he would probably say to himself, well, I'm asking for the good thing I need to do, but if there's only one good is this kind of a losing proposition? Can oh, I, that's an interesting Can I question. actually be good if there's only one that's good? So so Jesus has thrown a little monkey can wrench in the beginning. Can I even be beginning. good enough? Exactly, yeah. exactly. So it's an interesting response, and yet Jesus lets this play out. He continues on. He really does, but you know, the question just exposes this kind of checklist mindset. Right, this guy's right, like, right, oh, right. You know, what one good thing must I do to get eternal life? Or, and that's another way of saying to to live life in the kingdom, right? Yes, to, to, yes. To be within yeah. the, the life that God has designed right, for me. And he clearly has kind of an earning mindset. What do I need he to do to does. earn this final thing? So Jesus doesn't slap him down. He goes along with it. So let's see where he goes after well, this. Well, okay, so he says, if you would enter life, keep the commandments. Okay, yes. so that's a good Jewish answer. That's right? a very well, Jewish answer. Well, the guy's answer. question is, well, which ones? Yeah. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. And that's that's actually right. You know, in other portions of Scripture, uh, it, it says that if you're going to try and earn salvation, you need to do all of the commandments. Uh, indeed. All without so, a single loss. I have a couple of passages in front of me that, that speak to that. Uh, the one that came to mind first was Deuteronomy, 50, or Deuteronomy 30, mm-hmm, verse 15 mm-hmm. and 16, where the Lord says, See, I've set before you today life and prosperity and death and adversity, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, mm-hmm. keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that you may live. That you may live. Right? That you may so, live. Uh, so choose yeah. life, he says down in verse 19, in order that you may live and your descendants by loving the Lord your God and obeying his voice by holding fast to him, for mm-hmm. this is your life. Mm-hmm. So that's, Jesus is almost quoting that when he says, yeah, you want, it, you it want very life, much is. keep the commandments. Right. And it's interesting too, because a lot of people today, especially secular ones who look at us say, you know, God's always restricting things. Right. He's always... He's, he's always, you know, being the bad guy and saying, no, don't do that. But this would be fun for me. He's always a party pooper in many respects, you know. <laughs> but what that passage you just read and what he's saying right here is, you, you don't understand. When you have a loving Heavenly Father, the commandments he gives you are intended to benefit right. you, not to squash life, not to squash joy. They're meant to benefit you. And uh, and, and we know that's true when you have a loving Father on, on earth, you know, when he says, you know, you really need to do this. He's doing it because he's concerned for your for your best and so if you really want to pursue life go with what what he's asking with you to what do what god has already yeah said. yeah right so you need to keep the commandments but but god's standard is utter and complete righteousness yeah you know well no that's why this guy i think he says in verse 18 he said to him well which ones which ones <laughs> well you know that's an interesting question in itself it is coming yeah, from a, it is from a jewish list keeper yeah. because the first and foremost commandment as jesus has already said multiple times is love the lord your god with right, all your right. heart your soul your mind your strength and that's the great shema and, that and jews repeated coming and going i, I would have doors. i would have expected jesus to say that right off the top right but you'll find out put that in your pocket because that we'll actually answer. that actually is the issue, but he's not going to say it directly. So yeah. So let's read on verse eighteen. So Jesus answers, or the man says, "Which ones? Which ones?" And Jesus said, 
Listen to his answer. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Oh. So those of you who know the Ten Commandments. Well, that's an interesting list, isn't it? Because which it's, ones did he leave out? It's an interesting <laughs> list. Well, because we know when you look at the Ten Commandments, or as as we know from studying Exodus on this program not right. too long ago, the Ten Words. Right. Uh, but and the Ten Commandments, the, out of the ten, four of them relate to God and four of them ha- are how you relate to man. Uh, six of them are relate to man. So it looks like what he's done is he's pulled out all these ones about relating to man. Well, he's pulled out the ones that are externally measurable. Exactly. Yeah. Well, although he didn't mention the Sabbath at all, which is right in the middle of the ten words. Right. Right. But that's a very God relation oriented. But thing. the one that begins about the heart, right? You shall have no other gods before me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus doesn't even go there. No, and that's what's what's conspicuous is what's not here. Conspicuously absent. That's right. right. Because he says what you need to do is these and Jesus says, "Well, how about these?" And he lists all the all the man-oriented right. commandments right. and leaves out the god-oriented commandments. So, yeah. the young man says to him, verse 20, "Well, all these I have kept, what do I still lack?" <laughs> so, you know, this young man feels himself in complete obedience in regard to these these things yeah and and he knows the from god's uh perspective the demand is very high he's got to make sure he does them all i've been a good boy right so what do i still lack i'm still lacking something i know this is not enough so and clearly you know he wasn't listening to to the sermon on the mount because because he says i haven't (laughs) murdered but you know if you've hated someone you have that's right so he wouldn't have said this you know anyway so what do i still lack? he feels like he's not well he listens to the list jesus gives him and he only gives him a partial list of the ten commandments so that ought to tweak him to ask so what do i still lack you're not telling me the whole picture here so then he picks it up in 21 so jesus said if you would be perfect right complete that's complete go sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me when the young man heard this he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions yeah okay so interesting (laughs) that's not one of the ten commandments selling everything you own and giving it to kids yeah i know However, however, it turns out the Apostle Paul himself in Philippians claimed that he was perfect in these regards as well. Because in, right, when, in when Philippians he, 3. Yeah, when he talks about his previous life, he, he talks about, you know, before he came to Jesus, you know, zeal, he was, I was a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness, I'm reading now from Philippians 3, 6, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Blameless. How many of us can make that Right. And yet still, Paul knew he had come up short. And this guy knows he's come up short. And Jesus says, you've come up short and here's your problem. But what's what's the root problem of his wealth? What's really getting in the way? That's what you have to ask yourself about why Jesus went this particular route and this sort of self-discovery on his part about mm-hmm. what's getting in the way. Well, at the root at the root of this wealth is this fact that uh, this guy doesn't really have a need for God if he has enough no, wealth. That's you know? right. So so that's what's getting in his way. In fact, it made me think instantly when I read it this time. It's the first I've ever connected these. When you read the letters to the seven churches in the front of Revelation. Yes. When he writes the letter to, to the church at Laodicea, right. he says something really, really that lines up with this. He says that these are the guys who are neither cold nor hot. And so they're lukewarm. You know, I spew out of my mouth. And right after that, it says, for you say... I am rich, mm-hmm. I have prospered, and I need nothing. nothing. 
not realizing that actually you're wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Right. So this is the same thing. So so what's, what the, the issue is is that when you have this kind of wealth, you feel like you need nothing, including God himself. Right. You don't need God. Right. Right. It actually is. It actually gets in your way. It's an which impediment. Is, it's a stumbling block. Which is why this young man goes away so sorrowful. Yeah. Because he realizes, well, he's not willing to give up his stuff and just go and be with Jesus. Yeah. Well, yeah, and very clearly so. The our relationship with Jesus, with God, is meant to be one of of a dependent love. And uh, I, you know, and like like the letter to Lady Decia says, you don't realize that you're actually wretched. And so your wealth gets in the way. You think you've got everything you need if you've got wealth. And I've always called wealth uh, ego fuel. <laughs> it allows you to do whatever you want to do. It allows you to be independent. It allows you to be what Isaiah 53 says, all we like sheep have gone astray right. and we're independent. So, so Jesus is saying, look, if you want eternal life, you have to somehow build a need for God himself. Mm. That's what you need. Well, you have to understand that your primary need is for God himself, right? right? And right. then now we're back in Deuteronomy. Yeah. And God says, that's why I took you out in the wilderness. So that's you right. know so you'd know. that you, live, you need me to live. You live yeah. by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, Jesus is going to illustrate that in a very memorable way going on from here. Yeah. But before we do this, when he invites this man to come and be with with him, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. That set me thinking of a couple of other gospel passages, one of which is in John 17, when Jesus says at the beginning of his prayer, verse 3, this is eternal life, that they may know you, Mm -hmm, the only mm -hmm. true God, and Jesus Mm -hmm. Christ whom you've sent. That's really important. And in John 6, after he feeds the 5,000, they come to him and say, well, what must we do to do the works of God? And Mm -hmm. he says, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who God sent. Yep, yep. So, you know, it, it circles back to this idea of believing Jesus and coming in to know God through knowing Christ. Yeah, and salvation is uh, is at its core a coming to relationship with mm-hmm. God himself. That's yeah, right. in fact, if you take this whole section we just read and you contract it down, listen to listen how crazy this sounds. If you start out with him saying, what good, good deed must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus says, come follow me. Right. Ah, well, well, all this stuff was in the way. Come follow me. That's the that's the end of his statement. So could it very well be that eternal life is connected to following Jesus? Mm. Yeah, it is. Well, and at this point, he's very pointedly heading for Jerusalem and has already said, I'm heading for yeah, my yeah. own death. Yep, yep. Right? So the disciples, if they were thinking, might have put those two things together, although they probably didn't. Come and follow yeah, me. Yet. You're going to die to yourself. He yeah. had already talked to them about that. Yeah. But it's just an interesting connection. Eternal life is about following Jesus. Yeah. It, I mean, right. it's right there. If you take all the guts in the middle out, that's what it is. That's a really, what you would expect is for him to say, what do I need to do to earn, to earn eternal life? And Jesus says, here's all those things. And once you complete this list, you're done. Says no, <laughs> you have to follow me. And the problem is, is your riches are getting in the way yeah. of you following me. Yeah. And in fact, at the end, he does not follow Jesus. He turns away and walks the other direction. Well, it says he turns away and he was sorrowful for he had a great possessions. But we don't have any more detail. We don't, we know, don't know if, he if came back. later he yeah. did. However, I think he did because of Mark's account. Because in Mark's account, he has one little phrase in this section that Matthew leaves out. Because Mark and Mark ten twenty one, and Jesus looking at him, 
loved, loved him, him and that's said to right. him, you lack one thing. So this, this part about loving him, I think that's, there we go. I think that's the point that's included in Mark. So you'll know that this guy went away dejected, but he realized that Jesus was saying this to him for his good because he loved him. Because, because his wealth was getting in the way of the benefit and the life that comes from knowing Jesus. So, you know, that makes me think that it, it that this is a very real encounter, that something about the way Jesus said, come, follow me. Mm-hmm. It's an authentic invitation. Yeah. Come, be one of us. Follow me. Yeah. Come along. So, and that, that's how you'll find life. And and yet, you know, just before we go on, it is interesting that in our secular culture, everyone believes that if you have infinite wealth, you will be <laughs> infinitely happy. Sure. And yet here's this guy that has all this wealth and he goes away sorrowful. Mm-hmm. And he's he's richer than anyone on the block. Yeah. So Jesus is going to unpack this. Let's unpack tell this. this very famous for the, story. For the disciples. Yep. And Jesus said to his disciples, after this guy walks away, truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Difficulty. And again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, <laughs> well, who then can be saved? Uh, what? But Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. There we go. Okay, we got to stop there. Yeah. Because this idea of a rich person having a hard time, he's in great difficulty. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person. We've already talked about, you know, rich people with a lot of stuff. Because we see what... Self-sufficient, self-reliant, self-confident, don't need God. Right. The right? stumbling block of wealth. But let's talk about this impossible picture. Yeah. What, the camel and the, the needle? The camel and the needle. Yeah, what do you have to say about that? Well, a camel <laughs> was the biggest animal everybody knew, yeah. right? The biggest big, animal that they had experienced Big, clumsy, with, big, big right? animal. Giant. Right? It's meant to be big. And a needle was a common household mm-hmm. thing, and the eye of a needle would have been the smallest aperture that anybody right. had any daily experience with. Right, right, right. So he says, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Which right? is clearly impossible. Impossible. Right, and right. that's the picture he's painting. Yeah, yeah. That's how serious a problem wealth is. And you know, and when you you know, when you talk about wealth, the question we always ask ourselves is, well, am I wealthy? Do I cross that line for wealth? Am I in the danger zone for wealth? And I, and I think the apostles, you know, Peter, Peter especially brings this up in a second, but the apostles realize, you know, we're all wealthy to some, we're all wealthier than somebody else. I, are we all, is it impossible for all of us? I think that's part of why they were greatly astonished because, well, for, and for another reason as well. Well, for another reason. Yeah. Because for them in the, in the common culture, then if you had wealth, you were blessed by God. You were regarded as that was God's blessing. That God's if you blessing, had wealth. right. Well, so, that's sort of still present that's, among that's us. In a, that's in a lot of false religions, especially. It doesn't necessarily follow. <laughs> yeah. Look how much right? God has blessed him. And so right. Jesus is saying, no, actually, that's not a blessing. That's an impediment. That's getting in your way. Right. That's a problem. Because you trust it. Yeah. You, you don't You need trust God. it. It's a very, very very dangerous roadblock to relationship with God. Yeah. Very so dangerous. this idea of of the camel through the eye of the needle is not just difficult. It's downright impossible. It's impossible. And yeah. that's what he's saying. With man, it is impossible yep. by human yep. effort or human accomplishment or human possession right. Right. to right. enter right. the kingdom of God. Right. Ah, but with God, everything it is, is possible. possible. It's possible. And and that's that's good news because as I thought through the rich men in the New Testament, there were rich men who came to Jesus who found salvation 
and uh, they didn't have to sell everything they had. And I'm thinking like people like Joseph Arimathea, mm-hmm. I mean uh, Zacchaeus himself. You know, he did he did do some restitution, but I don't think he sold everything mm-hmm. he had. Barnabas in Acts is a guy who sold mm-hmm. a huge piece of land. And then even you go in the Old Testament, Abraham himself was rich. Solomon was rich, the son of David. So, so. It is possible to have wealth and still have a relationship, a saving relationship with God. But God's the one that makes that possible, not not these men. So, right. So right. you don't have to sell everything you have, but God does make it possible for those who have wealth because they can do great things for the kingdom with that wealth. Yeah. So, you know, what? this is something that was fresh for me on this reading. I, I checked my concordance and I looked up impossible. Mm-hmm. And see, are there other things that Jesus said were impossible? Because he says, this is with man, this is impossible to mm-hmm. get into the mm-hmm. kingdom of God by your wealth or your accomplishment. And I turned up some interesting things. He had already talked about in Matthew 17, if you have faith, nothing is impossible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he told Mary at the conception of Jesus, with all things, God's are, God is <laughs> with faith, all things are possible. Right? right do you believe right. that I can do this? Uh, Hebrews ten four tells us that it's impossible that the blood of bulls and goats would take away sin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And farther on in Hebrews eleven six, it says, "Without faith, it is impossible to please God." So all of these passages point to faith, yeah, as yeah. the thing as core. that that is central to entering mm-hmm. the kingdom. It's mm-hmm. impossible to get in by your wealth, by your effort, by your law keeping, or by doing the right law. By things. doing the right law, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So we're talking about impossibilities. Well, let's push on. What do you say? Okay. 27. Mm-hmm. Then Peter said in reply, well, see, we've left everything and followed you. So, so what then will we have? <laughs> it's like he's saying, we're poor. Are we okay? <laughs> well, Jesus said to him, truly, I say to you, in the new world, when the son of man will sit on his glorious throne, hmm. you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my namesake, will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Oh. So Peter was clearly wondering whether he was in the wealth category. Right. Because well, we left everything or behind. are we poor enough? Are we we've, poor we've enough? We've left everything right, to follow right. you. Are we poor enough yet? Yeah. And Jesus doesn't let that distract him. He goes on just some, a marvelous thing about the fact that you guys, you don't, you guys just don't realize the great position you are in the kingdom of God. You know, you're, 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 how do you put this? You're valued by God Himself. Well, and there is a day coming when when there will be rewards yes. for those who believe me. Right? Hebrews mm-hmm. eleven six says, "Without faith, it's impossible to please God." But if He comes to God, must believe that He is a rewarder yes, of, those of those who, who seek Him. God right. does respond, but uh, but on the road into the kingdom, if you're relying on anything but your faith in the Son of God. Yeah. It's not going to be sufficient to get you in. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're if you're expecting your position in the present yeah. uh, you know, the first, they're going to be last. It's going to be flipped. Well, this is not the first time he said this idea right. that the kingdom, the real kingdom of God is upside down and inside out from mm-hmm. what the world expects. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's no respecter of your accomplishments or position now. You know, the first will be last and the last will be first. Well, and he says you'll receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life Mm -hmm, as a mm -hmm. gift to those who are heirs it's not a something you earn as a reward it's a gift because you are an heir because you're an heir yeah and it's interesting again if you compare mark's passage he says you'll receive a hundredfold now in this time 
Right. So he, what he's saying is that, uh, you know, regardless of how much you give, God always gives more. And it actually starts right now, not just at the end of time, you know, in the big coming of the kingdom on the day. So uh, so that's really what he's saying. You, you, you really cannot outgive you can't outgive how God. much God will give back to you. <laughs> and that's what he's saying right here in a wonderful, wonderful kind of way. And I think Peter was just motivated to say, are we above or below the wealth threshold? Did we have walked right. away from everything? Right. Have we given up <laughs> yeah. enough for you? Yeah. And, you know, in, in, Ephesians, in Ephesians 2, you know, Paul's talk, Paul talks about the fact that the foundation uh, was built on the apostles. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're talking about these guys right here. And then even in Revelation. That's right. In 21, you know, the wall of the city had 12 foundations. And on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles oh, of the, the Lamb. Apostles. Yeah. So, so, yeah, you know, you guys are okay. <laughs> Your names are written in the book. You know, you're there, and that's that was Peter's fear. That you know, you're part of the foundation right. of the kingdom of God in right, this right, world. Right, right. So you don't have to fear the wealth line. You're okay. <laughs> you're okay. Um, but even still, even for the rest of us, the, the wealth line is not really the thing you should be worrying about. You should be worrying about, do you know the Lord? Because he says a lot of people in the end will work a lot and they'll accomplish right, a lot. Right. They'll do things in the name of the Lord even, but he'll say, but I, I never knew you. Mm-hmm. The relationship is not there. So that's key. So again, remember that Jesus said, this is eternal life. That they may know God that and the know one him. whom you've sent, Jesus right. Christ. That's John seventeen three. Yeah. So this talking about this passage today put me in mind of this this famous quote from Jim Elliot, who was a, a oh, missionary yeah. who was was murdered by the people he came to serve, and he wrote earlier, "He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose." Yep, there it is. That's a perfect encapsulation of almost this entire mm-hmm. section of Matthew nineteen. Exactly, exactly. Well, we're We're totally out of time. Yeah, next time we're going to roll into chapter twenty, and uh, we're going to we're going to cover a passage that I used to read in universities when I was a when I was a speaker for uh, business ethics, and I would read the passage coming up next, and I'd say, "Is this fair or unfair?" and have have students vote and they'd say it's the worst thing ever that is so unfair you can't do that and it's a parable and it's a parable but if you're curious about what that's all about come back and look at it because jesus paints an incredible picture about an employer and laborers and your first impression will be that's not fair that's not fair so come back with us next time and we'll learn together on on this uh, great chapter 20 of matthew here on more More than Than Ink. ink There are many more episodes of this broadcast to be found at our website, morethaninc.org. And while you are there, take a moment to drop us a note. Remember, the Bible is God's love letter to you. Pick it up and read it for yourself, and you will discover that the words printed there are indeed more than ink. (sighs) I missed my line. (laughs) This has been a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City.